Hi, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report, our weekly conversation about the current issues we're exposing, confronting, and changing. I'm Carmen Balber, the Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, and with me today is Michelle Montserrat-Ramos, an advocate here at Consumer Watchdog who I've known for many years as a patient advocate uh, who became an activist when she lost a loved one to medical negligence. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Carmen. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? It's fine, thank you. Good, good. So uh, Michelle and I are talking because yesterday we celebrated World Patient Safety Day along with uh, patient safety advocates across the globe. Uh, at Consumer Watchdog, we use this opportunity to launch a brand new website that we hope you all will go visit and spend some time on. It features videos, photos, and an interactive map of the state of California that tell the stories of injured patients who've been harmed by medical negligence and are fighting for change. The website is at consumerwatchdog.org backslash injured patients. That's our main website, consumerwatchdog.org backslash injured patients. And you'll learn the stories of the families who are the force uh, behind the push for change in California uh, to the 45-year-old cap on medical negligence damages. They're the force behind the Fairness for Patients Act on the California ballot in November 2022 that would update California's cap on compensation for medical negligence victims from the level it was set at all the way back in 1975, $250,000, and finally update that limit for today and let judges and juries decide in cases of catastrophic medical negligence and death uh, what fair compensation for patients would be. Um, we, we launched the map to tell the stories of these families, and it features 55 patient advocates who represent every one of the 40 state Senate districts across California, um, all of whom have been medic, uh, impacted by both the CAP uh, and medical negligence in their families. We also yesterday took over all of our social media accounts and posted a new video every 15 minutes all day for 10 hours uh, telling their stories. So we wanna talk about the map today and some of the families whose um, stories are there because I believe that if every lawmaker in Sacramento watched those stories, learned the experiences of those 55 family who represent, families who represent thousands across the state of California, then they would finally uh, recognize that it is time uh, to change this outdated law. So Michelle is the perfect person to talk about this because Michelle is on the uh, on the map um, it, it representing both uh, Senator Bradford's district and Senator Archuleta's district um, uh, because uh, she lost a loved one, her uh, fiance Lloyd Montserrat. So Michelle, please maybe launch us with um, telling us Lloyd's story and how, how the cap impacted you. Okay, well, um, Lloyd Montserrat uh, was my fiance, an absolutely amazing man, a political force here in, um, actually throughout California, throughout the Southwest. Um, Lloyd went in for an elective surgery in um, January 2003, and um, his surgeon said it was a success but it actually was not. Um, I, of course, believed the surgeon, 
And um, the night before Lloyd died, another doctor walked into Lloyd's room. And um, when I asked him how Lloyd was progressing, if he was progressing normally, he told me he was exactly where he should be. What he didn't tell me was that Lloyd was in renal failure and Lloyd was on his deathbed. Um, that next morning, in the very early morning hours, I received a phone call um, asking me to come to the hospital. And when I did, Lloyd wasn't in his room. His bed was gone. I found out he had been transferred to ICU. I hadn't been told of that. And um, the same doctor from the evening before approached me as I walked into ICU and um, he asked, he directed me to a conference room. And in the conference room, he told me we did everything we could, but we couldn't save him. Hmm. Couldn't really quite grasp that at the moment as it happened, Carmen. Um, so I asked him again, exactly what happened. And I was hoping that some element of truth might escape him at some point if I asked him several times, but it didn't, you know, I was not given any cause for Lloyd's death at all. So um, I found myself in a situation where so many of our families have found themselves in, where, you know, you lose a loved one from one moment to the next and you don't know what to do. So in my situation, I decided to hire a private pathologist because I felt that at the very minimum, we had to know how Lloyd died. So I hired a private pathologist and I was really anticipating something natural, you know, a heart attack, something that Lloyd being so young, he was only 36, you know, I would have grieved and our family would have grieved just as hard, but it's something that you can accept. But the, the information I received from the pathologist was something, the answer was not something that I expected or even was really ready for. Um, the pathologist told me that Lloyd died from um, surgical mistakes, untreated infection, and ultimately sepsis. So I was left with that. And at that point, like most of our families, what do you do with that? So we wanted answers. You know, I wanted to know how, how this possibly could happen. And so we decided to try to seek legal counsel. Um, had a number of lawyers recommended to us. And each lawyer reviewed the records. And each lawyer told me, you know, you definitely do have a case. But it would be a bad business decision for us to take this case. I had, it's interesting, I actually had one lawyer tell me that I actually needed to look into MICRA. So um, at some point, we eventually did get a lawyer, um, but things didn't go very well. And it was thrown into mediation and were forced to settle and um, it was just, just every aspect of the system when it comes to something like this happening, 
to families, you know, the odds are stacked against you every which way you turn. I'd love to just talk more about some of the families who the map um, is able uh, to highlight who have yes. been uh, locked out of the justice system or forced to um, extreme ends in the effort to just get answers and accountability for the deaths of their loved ones or harm that was caused themselves. Um, uh, and I, maybe just before we get there too, I want to want to um, really highlight the fact that the cap harms everyone, no matter who you are. Um, your life is devalued uh, mm -hmm. when there is an arbitrary dollar amount set on the value of your life that hasn't changed uh, since 1975. It especially targets women uh, and communities of color. Um, uh, women because we earn less and because we're more likely to suffer injuries that don't have any you know, economic value, loss of fertility, uh, loss of a child uh, during childbirth. Um, and then communities of color because structural racism, mm -hmm. uh, existing financial inequities mean that people of color are more likely to receive lower quality care Through and experience health. more medical ne negligence. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so this is a problem across the board. Um, many of our advocates um, are, are women, uh, women of color because they are even more likely uh, to suffer under this law than others. Um, so maybe you can tell us the story of one of the advocates featured on the uh, on the map, uh, Demi Dominguez, uh, and who lost her life to medical negligence, and her mother Tracy, um, and her struggle trying to get justice. Absolutely. Um, I met Tracy Dominguez um, at the beginning of the year. Actually, mm -hmm. um, she contacted me. And she's been advocating for her daughter, Demi Dominguez, who died of undiagnosed preeclampsia. Demi was just 23 years old, one month away from her college graduation to obtain her bachelor's degree in psychology, and she worked as a behavioral therapist. Tracy had a very hard time finding a lawyer. Once she did find herself in a situation, when uh, she did have a lawyer, she found herself in a situation where she had to pay for everything up front. Tracy had to pay for her medical expert, her deposition, and everything. Thus far, Tracy has paid $30,000 out of her pocket. She was recently informed by her lawyer that they may have to address an issue with a second doctor, because there's two doctors involved in her case that an issue may have to be addressed with a second doctor. And Tracy's lawyers informed her that she will need to pay him another ten to $20,000 for him to take care of this issue. You know, Carmen, I mean, Tracy's done everything, everything she possibly can. And she, she doesn't have that additional funding. So her lawyer suggested that Tracy create a GoFundMe for her legal expenses in order for her to pay him. This is because medical negligence cases are extremely expensive to bring, mm -hmm. uh, extremely expensive uh, to prosecute start to finish. Um, and in the normal course of things, if you slipped and fell at a grocery store, an attorney would take your case on contingency. 
and be paid from the outcome of the case, from the verdict or the settlement of the case. But because a case like Demi's, who was a young mother uh, and lost her life, is capped by this medical negligence cap, the amount retrievable at the end of a case is so low that lawyers have to ask patients uh, to pay the fees up front. Um, it locks people out of the courtroom and puts families like uh, like Tracy's in a position where they either have to spend money they don't have to try to keep a case going or give up on any sort of justice for their loved ones. And that's the just gross, um, gross inequity of the cap. So we... Um, are featuring the story of uh, Jamie Maravilla, whose uh, baby Naya lost her life uh, because her concerns were just repeatedly ignored uh, by the hospital and she couldn't gain representation because uh, a baby's life is meaningless uh, under this compensation cap. We're working with Sandy Perez, who lost her teenage daughter, Jordan, uh, whose cancer went undiagnosed for three years as the doctors continually deflected and delayed and is, like Tracy, spending tens of thousands of dollars of her own money out of pocket uh, trying to get justice uh, for her daughter's loss, um, can't find real representation because of the cap. Um, it's that bar to justice uh, that is the center of uh, this fight uh, to update the cap. I would urge every single person who is a policymaker in California at the state, county, or local level to go to this website, watch the heart-wrenching stories of these families, all of whom have twice been harmed, first by medical negligence and then by this incredibly unjust law, um, and tell me at the end of those 45 videos and counting uh, that you don't think it's time uh, to update this medical negligence cap. Um, we'll, we'll end there. Um, there are so many other families whose names we didn't mention, but we'll bring them all on the podcast uh, throughout uh, the coming weeks. So if we didn't mention you today, we'll tell your story later. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Michelle so much for being on. Thank you. Uh, and a uh, reminder to everyone, not only can you watch these stories, read these stories at the website, but you can also take action. There's a link on the page to tell your lawmaker that 45 years is long enough. It's time to update this law. Um, families uh, will get a change. Uh, we'll be able to vote to update this law on the ballot in 2022 with the Fairness for Injured Patients Act, which qualified for the November ballot. But they shouldn't have to wait that long. The legislature can act next year. So that's what the take action link uh, will do for you. Allow you to let your lawmakers know that 45 years is enough. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this has been the Rage for Justice Report.